What a weekend in the uh, world of college football. We don't always get that week one, but uh, exciting. You know, the coaches of the week, I got to go Mike Norvell, Mike Elko, Coach Prime. There were some others. I thought Hugh Freeze's Auburn Tigers. They didn't play a Power 5 team, but there's something about Freeze walking in the door and they're ready to go in five minutes. And that just goes to show you that uh, whatever you think about him is fine, but uh, he is one hell of a football coach. And uh, he's going to let the SEC know about it at some point. But uh, And their, their schedule is pretty favorable for a West schedule, right? I mean, they pull Vandy. And that's rare for the Auburn Tigers. Ole Miss is the only team that gets to play uh, Vandy every year, uh, 40 straight years, but 30 straight, 30 plus straight in the SEC West. And Auburn pulls the Vanderbilt Commodores this year. We are the Out of Bounds Show. We welcome in Tom Luganville. Our SEC Insider Hit is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Tom Luganville, you had one heck of a ball game last night that I think shocked the world of college football. Well, there's no doubt about that. You know, it was uh, one of what looked like many shocking moments over the college football weekend of week one. And, uh, you know, it, it was interesting because heading into that game and spending some time with Mike Elko and his staff, like, you came away kind of believing it. Like, he, he – they weren't arrogant or cocky in any way, shape, or form, but they just felt like they belonged. And they kind of liked all of the talk about Clemson and Clemson and Clemson while they just kind of hung out over here with this big-time quarterback that nobody really knows who he is. They're a really old and mature football team with a ton of experience. And I just think they thought they could hang. Like Mike Elko told us, he goes, listen, we get into the second half, and this is a one-possession game, and he goes, our, our, our confidence is going to skyrocket. And I'll be damned if that's not exactly what happened. Well, it did. And what about Clemson inside the 10 three times and no points, Luke? I know. Their first three drives of the third quarter, they go to the one, the four, and the seven-yard line. Um, two turnovers and a missed field goal. And um, listen – And I said it on the broadcast last night. Most games are lost. They are not won. And I don't want to take away anything away from Duke. But at the end of the day, Duke had that spectacular run from the quarterback, Riley Leonard. But aside from that, all they did was not screw it up. They just, they made fewer errors while Clemson kept compounding error after error after error, which was so uncharacteristic of them as a football team and really as a football program. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a bit alarming to see what was taking place. Uh, I know we're going to get into week two pretty quick because of the big matchups. We're visiting with Tom Luganville, national college football analyst with ESPN. He called the game last night. He referenced, I thought it was a, it was a really good back and forth before the game with Elko and Lugs and how calm Elko was and just, that's not usually what you see. You're talking about a team that gets out recruited by 50 plus spots. Um, you know, by Clemson. And yet, as Tom said, uh, they did what they needed to do. And, and Tom, when you're out-recruited, when, when the talent gap is that wide, even in the first half, when Duke muffed the punt, I thought, 
because I've seen this a lot with Mississippi State and Ole Miss over the years. They play their tails off against a team in the SEC that's better than them, but you literally can't make one mistake. And when Duke muffed that punt, I thought, well, they won't be able to overcome that because usually when the talent gap is that wide, you can't, Tom. There's no question. And, um, you know, that was why Duke went 9-4 and last year. You know, they were plus 16 in turnover margin, second highest number in the entire country. All right, when they're anytime they converted over 40% of their third down, they went 8-1. and So, like, they did all the little things right. And in the first half, they, they had some self-inflicted wounds, and Clemson did too, right? Clemson uh, didn't let them off the hook. Uh, when when Duke made a mistake, Clemson would then go and, and make one. But I'll say this about uh, – and this is why this still counts for something. We don't see it very often anymore because of, you know, how quickly guys are in and out of a program or how quickly guys move on to the NFL. That Duke team, if you run down there too deep, I would say 75% of their starters in their 2D, maybe not into their 3D, are either a redshirt junior, a redshirt senior, or a graduate uh, transfer. So, like, their entire front – their front forward last night that started, two fifth-year seniors and two six-year graduates. So, like, age, maturity, experience, having played a lot of football, it means something, man. And those kids, when things didn't quite go their way, nobody folded. Right. Nobody panicked. They just kept hanging in there and chipping away and chipping away. And and I'll and I'll say I'll I'll say this, man, and I and I said it on the broadcast last night too. The thing that was most eye popping to me is that when I watched Duke on defense, they were faster than Clemson on offense. There was not a speed discrepancy. How does Clemson that happen does not, with the way Clemson recruits, Tom? I I I don't I don't know. And and I we talked about it on the broadcast last night. Real uh, Clemson was having a real problem separating. They were having a real problem getting guys open, and um, and then and that leads me into my my next bit of analysis. I think they got a problem at quarterback. I I was not, and I don't want to speak to the rest of our broadcast members, but we were all talking about it post game. I was not impressed with Kate Lubnick, and I didn't think Dabo trusted him. I thought they were very hesitant with him, thought he missed a lot of throws, um, just wasn't accurate throughout the night. They couldn't get the ball downfield. Um, neither team could for that matter. But, you know, there's been a lot on that kid's shoulders in terms of anticipation and expectation, and I didn't see them look any different than they looked last year. Tom Luganbill called the game last night between Duke and Clemson. Duke with the big win. And uh, I agree with you, Tom. I don't know where Duke found that speed, but uh, that was imp- – and, and they're never – they never have that much speed in the secondary. I mean, you're right. That D-line, that veteran D-line was very disruptive. But where in the world did they get those guys that could run in the secondary? Well, they're not very big, and I think that's a part of it. They've kind of traded size for speed. It's weird because their body types positionally are, are, are the opposite of what they should be. They have like a six four corner and a six foot and six one corner, and their two safeties are five ten. Um, but those two safeties can cover down, and they and, and and they play big, meaning that they may be five ten, but 
but they play like they're 6'2", 210. They're tough, and, and they're rugged, and they'll tackle you. But um, they were just – they were flying around, man. They were confident. It was almost like they knew they belonged there. That was the feeling in the stadium. Nobody was overwhelmed. Nobody – I didn't feel like Duke came out of the tunnel wondering if they could win the game. I think they kind of thought that they might. It was, it was just a weird feeling. 